Well, hey, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Everybody awake? Alert, ready to go. Hey, uh, I'm really excited to be up here this morning, and we're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us. For those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Pastor Eric. My wife, Eric, and I are the lead pastors here, and uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, that we've titled In the Beginning, and uh, we've been uh, endeavoring to kind of take a journey together uh, to go back to the very beginning, our origins, our roots, uh, in the book of Genesis, where God creates everything. And, and obviously, the pinnacle of his creation is humanity. It's us and, and what we can learn from that. And uh, uh, the cool thing about uh, Genesis, uh, if you're not familiar, it's the first book of the Bible. In the Hebrew, it literally means, and it literally translates, in the beginning. So uh, what happened in the beginning, and we've, what we've been talking about all month is that uh, we can learn a lot about how God originally set things up because we, we believe that God's original plan for mankind is his eternal plan. Even though sin kind of messed that up and gets us distant from that, it doesn't change the fact that how God created it in the very beginning when it was perfect and beautiful, that's what he wants for us today. And, and obviously that's hard to attain without Jesus and without a relationship with him, but we're going back to the beginning to kind of learn a lot about ourselves and why we are the way we are and how we can really align our lives and our minds and our hearts to God's original plan for us because we believe that will help us ultimately fulfill God's call in our life and live a life that's blessed and pleasing and whatnot. And so uh, if you uh, weren't here the last two weeks, just a real quick where we've been. Week one, uh, Pastor Erica brought a phenomenal message uh, titled, We Are Created Beings. And we just looked at the simple yet profound truth that you and I are created beings. Like we have a creator. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't make ourselves. God formed us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, he, he's our creator, right? He's, he's the potter. We're the clay. Uh, as this creation, he knows how we work best. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He knows what's in our best interest. He knows what's not in our best interest, right? And so when we put our faith and trust in him and just take a moment to pause and be like, oh my gosh, Am I connecting with my creator today? Am I uh, aligning my life to the way that he formed me and made me to live? That will help answer a lot of the, the ills in life, right? Um, and then uh, last week was Mother's Day. Hope you guys had a lovely Mother's Day weekend. Um, but we kind of continued in this theme. Uh, we looked at day seven of creation, which do you guys know what God did? Do you remember what God did on day seven? What did he do? He rested, right? And, and, and like day one, he created, uh, he said, let there be light. Day two, the heavens, right? Day three, dry ground and plants. Day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Uh, day five, birds and sea creatures. Day six, land animals and humans. And day seven, he rested, right? And we, talk, we talked about how that word rest in the Hebrew means more than just ceasing from work. It means delight. He delighted in his creation. He delighted in us. He, he celebrated. It was, a, it was a reflection moment in worship and how God set up the original seven-day work week. Like he's the author and creator. He said, for, for six days, man should work, right? And, and for one day, he shall rest and not just take a nap, but rest and do the things that bring life to him, but also stop producing, stop working, stop grinding because he knew that wouldn't be healthy for us. But we live in an overworked culture and society where if you're not working, the other guy is. And so he's probably getting ahead of you. So why, why shouldn't I just check an email here or there and get, get a leg up on that sale, right? And so God knows how we work best. He created our bodies and he says, hey, I want you to have a one-day staycation every single week. You don't have to wait for that summer vacation or whatever to get refreshed. You can get refreshed and build time into our schedule every single week. So again, if you missed either of those, you can go back and listen to those. But today, we're going to continue our In the Beginning journey and we're specifically going to zoom in on the creation of man. And, and today, I'm going to focus in really on Adam 
and look at what we can learn from God's original intent and design, I think it'll answer a lot of questions for us. I think a lot of us are going to be reminded of a lot of stuff this morning. And I think a lot of us are going to learn some stuff that maybe we never saw there in the beginning and why things are the way they are and how we can align our lives to that. And so if you like to take notes and you need titles, today's title is A Look at Adam. We're going to take a look at Adam. And don't worry, don't check out, ladies. You're going to get a lot out of this too, all right? But we're going to talk specifically this week about Adam or man. And next week, Pastor Erica is going to wrap this thing up. She's going to look at Eve and women. We're going to put it all together here of how this husband-wife team are supposed to function in life and how God wants to do it best. So before we jump into the Word, would you guys join me in a word of prayer as uh, we prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from the Lord? Heavenly Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to just lead us and guide us on where we need to go today. We thank you that your word is truth. It's powerful. It's active. It's living, Lord. It leads us and guides us, Lord. We want to align our lives to your original intent and plan. And so, Father God, correct us if we've been off. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us, encourage us today. And may we all grow closer to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said. Amen. So we're going back to Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and we're going to spend most of our time in Genesis chapter 2, okay? Genesis chapter 2, and just as a quick uh, precursor before we jump in and actually read Genesis chapter 2 and what happened there, um, sometimes it can be very confusing if you're, if you're new to the Bible or you're not understanding this, that you can get confused because you start reading in Genesis 1 and you see all of creation and man and woman are created. And then you get to chapter 2 and, and after a few verses it starts talking about the creation of man and woman again. And so if you're not understanding what's going on, you're like, well, there are two creations or which one's right or each one kind of shares a little bit of different details. And so you got to understand the context. Genesis chapter 1 all the way through chapter 2 verse 3 is an out view, a zoomed out view of the first seven days of creation. So everything that happened there. Then when you get into chapter two, verses four, all the way to the end of chapter two, it's a zoom in on the second half of day six. So day six was the land animals and mankind. So the second half deals with the creation of us, mankind, humans, Adam and Eve. And it's like a zoom in, right? If you ever have a favorite TV show where you're trying to figure out the plot line and different scenes and different episodes, they'll have a flashback of what happened during when they're younger at a different season. It gives you the context to understand why things are the way they are in that episode or that show. Same thing what God does in his word here in Genesis chapter two. He does a super zoom right now into Adam and Eve. And so we're going to take a look at that. And for, for context, like, I'm just going to read uh, verses seven through 25 in Genesis chapter two. So if you brought your Bible, if you turn on your Bibles, you got the Bible on the app. I'll have it on the screens too. We're going to read all of it in its entirety. And then we're going to pause and just kind of break down what we believe God wants us to get out of this this morning. So you guys ready? All right. Genesis chapter 2 starting in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So if you guys need a food reference in my sermon, there it is right there. Food showed up. Some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, the tree of life also was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden and watered the garden. From there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first was Pishon, and it is the one that skirts the whole land of Havala, where there is gold, and the gold in that land is good. Palladium and onyx stone are there. Uh, the name of the second river is Gion, and this one which goes out around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river was Hidekel, and it is the one who goes forth toward the east, towards Assyria. And the fourth is the river Euphrates. And then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you do eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was, no, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. All right, so that's all of chapter two there, and that kind of gives us the context and the background of what was going on here in that second half of day six of creation when mankind was created. And so there's so much we could talk about this morning, but again, the focus today is let's take a look at Adam. All right, let's look at man. And specifically Adam, and we're going to, in our remainder of our time together today, we're going to look at the four strengths of man that we see biblically from the original intention of God creating man, all right? So I think we're going to learn a lot. We're also going to realize that there's some shortcomings and downfalls in those strengths, because how many of you guys know sometimes something that could be your greatest strength is also could flip the script and become a really great weakness in your life. And so we'll see that in context in scripture here, but we're going to look at four things, four things of the strength of man. You guys ready for those? Number one, the first one is this, dependence on God. A man of God, the real man of God, is dependent on God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. I think we read that, we know that, but like, just let's pause and sit in that for a second. God formed us, out of the dust of the earth. Remember, we are created. We have a creator. The creator took dust. If you look for the Hebrew word of dust, it literally means clay. It means earth. It means ash. It means mortar. It means powder. It means rubbish. So, and, and not to get all like Bill Nye, the science guy on you this morning, but uh, if you like science, I don't believe science disproves the existence of God. I think science just proves exactly what God did. If you look and you really study in, science is just confirming what God has already known since the foundation of the earth. And if you look, there's been a lot of studies on the scientists have actually revealed and concluded that the same material that formed the earth's crust is what our skin, what our sewings, and what our bones are made of in the human body. So you think about that, well, what, how did that happen? Where that happened? That happened in Genesis chapter 2. God took the dust and the, the forming of the earth's crust and he made nostrils and he literally <laughs> breathed breath into that lump of clay and made it a living being. We're formed by God. Right? We were singing that song. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, right? We live on borrowed breath. Like, I, I just, this like sobers me so much when I'm singing this and realizing that, man, today, because I'm breathing, it's because God's giving me that breath. The very first thing you do when you come out of the womb is you take an inhale and you breathe for the first time in your, with your own lungs outside of your mother's womb, right? Borrowed breath. God puts that breath in you. He's still putting breath in life. Amen? That last thing you do when you go to be with the Lord is you take that last breath and you exhale and you give him back that breath that you borrowed your entire lifespan. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and he formed us 
right? And he breathes breath into us. And, and we are dependent on God for life. Because without breath of God in our lungs, we're just dirt. We're just a pile of mud. Like seriously, when you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh. Like we need God. God, in, 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 and this is how he created us. He, he wanted us to be fully dependent on him because apart from him, we can't breathe. Apart from him, we cannot live. Apart from him, we can't do much. But with him, we can align our lives to his perfect creation and we can have intimacy with God and relationship with God and the beauty of all that happens. We see the prophet Isaiah talks about it this way in Isaiah 64, 8. He says, but now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand, right? And then David, the psalmist, David, in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, he says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well do I know it? And so remember, we're created. God created us. He knit us together, and he formed us, and he put his breath within us. And so God is our source, but how many of you guys know, we, we, get, we get it twisted. We, we, we forget. We try to do it in our own strength. We try to do life without God as if we can exist in life without God. But when we go back to the very book of beginning, we find out without his breath in our lungs, we are just dirt. We don't have purpose, but he puts purpose in us and he gives us the great opportunities in life. And so, man, I don't know about you guys, but... Uh, I, I just, I see this so true today, both men and women. Again, when we say man, obviously he's creating Adam, but mankind, that's the initial because women, we're going to talk about you in a second here and Erica will talk in an extent in next week's message about Eve. But without God's breath, we don't exist. And um, I, I still see this true today. You see a lot of people chasing purpose in their job and their kids and their family and their hobbies and all of that. Those are all great those are all God-given gifts and things, but those aren't our source, amen? Those are not the source. God is our source, and sometimes we get our priorities mixed up of what we spend our time on, our money on, our, our, our dedication to when we realize that, man, we're here to worship God with the gifts that he's given us. And so, man, it's important that we align our lives to this, and, and we're dependent on God. And this kind of sets the whole thing straight. Like, our existence of life didn't come as a result of just how our bodily organization is already here, we weren't derived by evolution or some goo or some big bang. No, we, we are actually on purpose for a purpose, a, a gift of God that he gathered up some dirt, formed some nostrils, and went, <laughs> and live. Like, but if we don't believe that, then, okay, well, you know, then, then, then you can get really confused. So we got to go back to the Bible, the word of God, the truth of God, and say, God, how, why are we and how are we? And how do we get here and how do we function well, right? When we're dependent on God, that's when things seem to click and work the best. And so one of our strengths, both mankind and men specifically, is being dependent on God and letting our life flow from that relationship with him. Amen? So that's number one. The second strength that I want to talk about is responsibility and leadership. Responsibility and leadership. We see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. I underline those verses, uh, those words tend and keep it. We'll come back to that in a second. Side note, both in this verse and verse 8 of Genesis chapter 2, we learn that man was created outside of the garden. Why? Because it says God put man in the garden. So where was man created? Was he created in the garden or outside of the garden according to the word of God? 
outside of the garden. Ladies and gentlemen, this will explain a lot of the natural differences between men and women, okay? Outside of the Joanna Gaines, lush garden, beautiful aromas, whatever, in the rugged, mountainous, <clears throat> hairy, like smelly earth, that's where man was created, and then he was put in the garden. You see where I'm going here with this? Do you understand the differences here, all right? A little more chip, less Joanna over here, right? So we had here and here. Together, they make a bomb team, Amen. There ain't no pretty Joanna things to look at if Chip don't build it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? They got, they got to work together. But, but at God, God created man outside of the garden and put him in the garden to tend it and to keep it, all right? And so God, God had a mission for man. He, he had a plan for man, right? Explains a lot why we are the way we are, why we like, you know. Uh, ladies, this explains why your husband wants to go catch a fish or shoot a deer and not go shop for jeans, all right? Like, like, like it just explains, and if you like jeans, dudes, there's no disrespect there, but I'm just saying, like, if you, you all, we all got to wear pants at church, you know what I'm saying? Come on, all right? They were naked and unashamed. We ain't being naked here today, all right? All right? Let's, get, let's get the scripture right. So God creates Adam outside the garden, places him in the garden. He says, you better tend it and you better keep it. What he does, he gives him some leadership. He gives man responsibility. And when we line up to our true design, fellas, it's when we have responsibility and leadership over things. It's how God designed us to, to work, to, to actually function. It fulfills us, and it's a God-given gift. You see, the Garden of Eden represents God's creation, and God says, Adam, I want you to tend it and to keep it. Other translations say, I want you to guard it. I want you to work the ground and keep it in order. I, I want you to work it and take care of it. And so God's garden here is symbol, symbolic of his masterpiece, and he gives us his creation leadership and responsibility to take care of it. God's not a micromanager. He's macro. He knows how things work, but he lets us play in the game. He doesn't force us. He gives us free will. We can do it or we don't have to do it. But when, when it comes to the original plan, which we believe is God's eternal plan, right? God's original plan for mankind is his eternal plan for mankind. How he set it up originally is how he wants it to work today, even though it's gotten jacked up because of sin and death and all the bad things in our world. doesn't mean that God's plan is, has changed. Because my Bible says that God is a man that he should not lie and he never changes. He's the same. If God changed, we would all be a wreck. Because he'd be nice one day and mean the other day. He would heal one day and he would say, no, -uh, you, you're, you're supposed to have that sickness another day. I'm going to meet your financial need. I want you to suffer in debt. Like if God changed his mind and he was schizo God, how could we ever have any basis for faith? But if he's the same and he's firm and he's, he's faithful and we can count on him, and his word is truth, we can go to his word and actually understand a lot about how things are supposed to work. And not out of him trying to control our life and be a buzzkill and take away all the fun from our life and what we can and can't do. It's never about that. It's about relationship. It's about a father loving his children so much that he put instructions in a book to help us live life how he intended for it. Amen? So again, I don't know what your um, you know, theology is or your view of God, but he, he's not this harsh taskmaster. He's this loving father who loves us and wants relationship with us. And, but he gives Adam... And he puts him to work. He gives Adam a job. Welcome to the garden. Get to work. Now, some of you guys are like, oh, no, like, uh, work. We're talking about work. Don't, today's my day off. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't, don't bring up the J-O-B. Like, come on. Like, we're not talking about that. But, hey, just so you know, men working, tending, keeping it, it's actually God-designed. 
And this includes women. There's nothing wrong with women working because we're going to look next week. They were a team, all right? So it doesn't mean that women just have to stay home and do this. No, uh, women can work too. But, but when, as a man, we come alive when we have something to have leadership over and responsibility to. It explains why men get so passionate about their work or their vocation. Now, what was meant for a strength, I think, in our culture, in our day and age, has been abused on the furthest end, and it's become an unhealthy thing in a lot of our lives, right? Where we just work, 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 work. We never rest. We work, work, work. We neglect some of our responsibilities. We neglect our wife. We neglect our family. We neglect our kids. Work, work, we're just trying to get ahead. Once I hit that pay rate, once I get that house, once I get that boat, once I'm there in those investments, then I can relax. And like, we, miss, we miss all the fullness of life. Because we're doing what God created us to do, but we're doing it not in his rhythm and his cadence. So there's nothing wrong about working. There's nothing wrong. It's God-given. But make sure we have the proper balance and priorities in our life. God comes first. Right? I say, guys, work. I, I can't come to church. i got to work. I, I, can't, I can't worship God. i, I got to work. I, I don't have time for a 15-minute diva in the morning. i gotta, I got to drive to work. And we place work over our relationship with God, and there, then we lose our dependence on God. And now the place where our <laughs> comes from has been short-circuited. Does that make sense? And so again, Lord helps us in all of this. So work is not a curse. Some people preach that. Work got harder in Genesis 3 when we see sin enter the world. Work got harder, but work was actually a gift from God, specifically for man, right before the fall. A lot of us think, oh man, like work is, oh, it's a punishment, right? No, it's, it's God-given, right? And, and, and I believe God wants us to find purpose in that. And so Again, the truth where I'm going here is that real men and, and mankind find real, real meaning, real purpose when we find responsibility and leadership and we lean into that. We don't resist it. Amen? Now, the flip side of that is we can see a fall of leadership and responsibility specifically in the book of beginnings here. We see example of where Adam kind of misses the boat here in chapter 3. For chapter 3, that's where uh, Adam and Eve are tempted. They eat the fruit of the tree. Sin enters the world. There's a lot of consequences. For time's sake, we're not reading all of 3. But I, I do want to go to verse uh, 6 of chapter 3 where it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate she also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. So I hate to bust some of your theological bubbles when we really like to just say, it's Eve's fault. Well, this whole world would be a better place if she didn't eat the apple. I've heard that so many times, even from pastors and preachers and Christian circles. And I was like, do you read your Bible? Read your Bible. What does the word of God say? Who was right next to her when she ate the fruit? Who was it? Adam. Who did she eat and then give the fruit to? Adam. That's a big deal. And, and, and there's a fall of leadership and responsibility that we see there because the scriptures say that Adam was right there with Eve when she was being tempted by the serpent and while she ate the fruit. What happened here? He didn't speak up. He didn't take his place of authority and leadership. He didn't call out what was wrong. He didn't say, snake, get out of here. Speculation. we got to be silent where the Bible's silent and speak where the Bible speaks. But hear, hear me out. Adam's job was to tend, keep, guard, and protect the garden. We know in the beginning the darkness was over the face of the deep. So we know the serpent, the Satan, was on the earth, but he might not have been in the garden. God created a garden eastward in Eden, and he put man there. But somehow that serpent got into the garden to tempt them in the first place. Who was sleeping on the job that let that snake in there in the first place? Again, I'm not trying to be harsh, but I would point my finger towards Adam, not Eve. Now, she still ate it and she still gave it to him, but he was right there. He could have said, no. Right? Whose responsibility was it 
to help lead that situation, right? Think about it. In Genesis 2.17, it says, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And after the fall, who does God call out? Check this out. Genesis 3.9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He didn't say Adam and Eve. He said, Adam, after he missed it, who did he call on the carpet? Adam. Because who was responsible for leading and being responsible in that garden? Adam. Who was responsible for saying, hey, beautiful woman that God created for me. Hello, how you doing? Um, uh, see all this? We can eat of all this. That thing over there, don't go near that. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't stroll around it. Don't pick a bouquet by it, all right? Everything else, go there. Who was responsible? That was Adam's to cast vision and to lead, but it didn't happen. And then, obviously, sin entered the world. And, and when God asked Adam about sinning, we see a fall of responsibility, which is a, is a huge downfall in humanity specifically. Um, in Genesis 3.12, it says, and then the man said, when God asked him about it, he said, the woman, the woman that you gave me uh, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. So he blame, he blame shifts, basically, and push, pushes all responsibility on the woman, yet his responsibility was to guard, keep, and protect the garden. Does that make sense? So again, when we don't follow God's original, beautiful, awesome plan for our life, when we get off from that, bad things happen. When we align our lives to how God originally intended it and we fulfill and we lean into those roles, it can be beautiful and it's exactly how God designed it. Everybody doing okay out there? And men, this isn't like a men bashing message. And this is, women, this isn't like, yeah, well, let's go, women, let's go. You're going to have your rah-rah time next week, all right? So Erica will bring it. Um, but I'm just, again, I'm just, I wanted to lay the foundation scripturally of why things are the way they are. Man, we, we, we have so much more potential when it comes to leadership and responsibility. Man, we can, we can rise up, I think, and, and take our place in our families and speak up when we know things are wrong, right? If he knew it was about to be wrong before she ate it. I mean, if I'm there and I'm doing what's got, I'm slapping that fruit out of her hand. I don't care if it hurt her. Like, get it out of there. We're not doing that. He said, don't eat, right? But when we just lean back and let things just happen and we have a lack of leadership and responsibility, that's when some bad stuff can happen in our families, in our marriages, with our kids' lives, all of that. And so I think there's lessons to learn with that. Amen? All right, number three. Number three, strength of men. And again, we want to interpret this correctly, so we're going to have some conversation, but it's power and authority, okay? Power and authority. Let me look at Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So I think this is like one of those details you kind of skip over when you're reading the Bible, but like this is kind of cool. Like God gives power and authority to mankind, specifically Adam. But all of us, Eve, Eve gets in on this too. So we're supposed to rule and reign together. There's a dominion there. We have power in the words that we speak. And it comes right back from the beginning. God created the animals and then he brought them to Adam. And I love this. Like, he was kind of curious, like, like a father and a son. Like, what's he going to name them? And I, I just laugh because like hippopotamus, platypus. Like, really, Adam? Like, did that, was that what that looked like? Like, could we pick an easier word? Like, whatever Adam called it, that's what it's named. Giraffe, Right? I mean, this is, this is Bible, right? Like, we got to understand, this is the truth of God's word. So we had power, but isn't this so cool? In the beginning, God spoke, and there was. God spoke light, there was light. God spoke land, there was land. God spoke heavens, there was heavens. What does he do? He gives the same power and authority to mankind to speak and have our words create things. Our words have power. 
Our words carry weight. Whether we believe that or not, we are all a product of the things that have been spoken over us or that we've spoken over ourselves. Our self-talk on the inside, whatever, we all live at that level of what we're speaking. And we can create things in our life. And it's interesting, you know, we know this verse, Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of what? The tongue, words, what we speak, right? And those who love it will eat its fruit. And so we can speak life, we can speak death. I find it interesting, uh, if you go into Genesis chapter 3, this is a great study to go back, just read through Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and just kind of soak in this stuff for God to really reveal this to you. But um, God, uh, or Adam never names Eve until after the fall, after sin enters the earth in, in chapter 3. And he calls her Eve. Now Erica will get on this and, you know, like really rep it. Eve means lifesaver, life giver. All right, so moments before we eat the apple and death comes into humanity forever. And then Adam says, you are Eve, life giver, life saver. Do you see the faith statement over there? God calls those things as not as though they were, right? He speaks life over this woman and says, you will be a life saver and you will be a life bringer, right? And obviously that's one of her purposes, Eve's, is to bring forth life in this earth. Powerful stuff but shows me the power of words. And I think this power and authority thing, don't get me, like, let me just be real for a second. This one can be hard because it might be a trigger for many of us in this room. Power and authority from a man, that's, that's been abused so much in our culture. Men taking the macho, like, get under me, woman, submit, like, saying whatever we want, bad-mouthing, speaking death over our people that we love. That is not what God's talking about here. Do you guys, I don't see any of that in the word of God, amen? So that's a strength taken and twisted by the enemy and made a huge thing that causes us a lot of pain or maybe it's caused you a lot of pain in your life. A male figure abusing their authority and their power and using their voice and or their physical strength in a way that has hurt you or harmed you. That's not what God originally intended. So please don't hear my heart there. Hear God's heart that, man, he wants us to be in the creative process with him. He wants us to speak life over our marriages. He wants us to speak life over our kids. He wants us to speak life over our community. Come on, somebody. He wants us to speak life over others at church. Come on. We come to be encouraged, not discouraged. Amen? We should leave on high, not down low. Come on, somebody. We serve a God who loves us and cares about us and died for us, and we can speak words of life just like he did in the very beginning. We get to be like him because we were created in his image, in his likeness. Amen? That's how God designed it. And so when men and women use our power and authority in the right way, it it really helps. Helps things align to how God has intended them and and helps things flow in the right way. So that's number three is power and authority. The fourth one, this one's fun. We'll talk about this one, is initiative. Initiative. Let Let me give you some context here. So so God realizes that man's doing his thing. He's in the garden. He's tending to keep in it. But he realizes it ain't good that man should be alone. And all the men said, amen. Thank you, Jesus, right? It ain't good. So he needs a helper. He needs a helpmate. He needs a lifesaver, right? So, so Adam, God takes one of Adam's ribs and, and forms Eve, right? Now, I don't know about you guys. I've always pondered, like, what's the deal with the rib, right? Why, why didn't he take a hand or a finger or an eye or what? Why did he choose a rib? One, how can you make a person out of a rib? But number two, why a rib? And I've wrestled with this a little bit, but uh, I loved it. As I was studying this week, one of the Bible commentaries that I read said it this way, and it was so beautiful, and I just like this imagery. I wanted to share it with you guys. When it's speaking about Eve and creating Eve out of Adam's rib, it, it said this, she was not made out of his head, 
to surpass him, nor out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but from his side to be equal to him and close to his heart to be dear to him. I thought that was really powerful. God does everything with precise intentionality and purpose. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? He loves you. He created you and knit you together. He took Adam's rib, the part and the bone, the stability around that guards his heart. Wow. And is closest to him and, and, and made woman out of him and went right sideways. Wasn't up here above him. Wasn't down here below him. Wasn't even at the knees. Was right by the side of his heart because God wants a husband wife team that are anointed and appointed by God to shine his light in this generation. Amen. And, and we get to do it together. And then God said on the first day, let there be light. Perfect. Crushed it, Ryan. Thank you. That was not planned. I just, I don't know what was happening there. Sometimes you got to speak and use your power and authority. <laughs> Stay on. Whew. But isn't that so cool? Like, like God did that, right? And, and check out what happens next. Here, here's the deal. Here's where I want to go with this. God brings the woman to Adam, to man, and check out what happens in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And Adam said, everybody say the word said. Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of man. So what happens here? So God creates Eve. He creates woman. She brings him to the man and he says, whoa, man. He says, whoa, man. He says, woman. He says, woman. How you doing? Guys are all laughing, but this is what he said. He said, whoa, man. He ain't ever seen nothing like that. She wasn't hairy. She was nice and all the right spice. You know what I'm saying? She, whoa, man. Whoo. Probably got a little distracted from tending the garden, hence the snake coming in. You know what I'm saying? Little distracted, Adam. Go over there and work and build a fence to keep the snake out. No, whoa, man. Sorry. Got to try to keep it like PG-13 up in here. I don't know. There's like kids in here and stuff. But I think in reading this, we, we, we forget or we miss like a really important detail when it comes to initiative. A strength of man is initiative. Who, who spoke first in the relationship? Who spoke first? Adam said. He brought the, that's all we have context for. Maybe, I don't, we got to be silent where the Bible's silent. God brought her to him and Adam said. He spoke first. He took initiative. He initiated the first relationship, which turned into the first marriage ever in the Bible. The first man and woman relationship. And Adam initiated it. He said something. And this might sound old school or whatever you want to label it. And I know everybody has different stories. So some of you men, you're, 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 you're blessed because the woman said something first and, and you're, you're just lucky to have her. Amen. Praise God. Any of those stories here, like, like she pursued you and all that kind of stuff. You're like, I'm just, I'm just glad to be here. You know what I'm saying? But traditionally, biblically, I love this. There's power in this. Any singles in the room, you want some dating advice? Anybody married or working that out and you want to understand why things the way they are or how they're supposed to operate or maybe help your kids navigate this. When we as fellas focus on the right things, dependence on God, leadership, when, we, when we're, Adam was doing what God called him to do, he was tending and keeping the garden. 
He was running his race. He was fulfilling his calling. He wasn't focused on finding her or finding her and convincing her. He was just doing what God told him to do. And when he least expected it, but God knew his greatest need, that he needed companionship, he brought a woman alongside of him that wasn't dragging her feet back there or wasn't a million miles ahead of him, but was right there in step running after God, doing what she was called to do. And when, when that happened, it was beautiful. And they were running in step, and, and he turns, he says, whoa, man, and oh, my gosh, and, and they become husband and wife. That's how God loves it. He initiated the relationship. He pursued her and he said. And so ladies, can I set some of you free? Or those of you guys that have daughters, don't chase a dude. I'm a dude and I'm telling you, don't, don't chase a dude. Don't, don't lower your standard. Don't throw gutter balls so that you can justify why a dude way back there not running your clip, not living the life that you know he's supposed to be living can be with you. And if he's not man enough to speak when God brings a woe man into his life, she's getting some out of it. This is good. Then he's not worthy of your heart. It it may not be that it's not him. He's just not ready yet. Come on. He just might need to cook a little bit longer. Put him back in the air fryer or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, let's get his brain all in the right place here so that his heart and his head can actually... Say something, bro. And, and dating advice, dudes, when God brings the woe man to you and she's got everything you need and you know that God's calling you, you better open your mouth. Don't be a doofus. Hi. I like your hair. And the woman's like, is there something wrong with my hair? Like, and then you get all like offended. It's like, no, I just like your hair just my hair, not my whole body, right? It's like, okay, so we'll talk about that next week, right? Erica will line us up there. The emotional of Eve, right? I'm getting way off now, sorry. Just having fun in church. Don't settle. And men, if you're so focused on her, you're not going to be focused on the garden that you're called to tend and keep. So when we have dependence on God as our first priority, we start running at that, whether she's there with us or not. Life is blessed whether she's there or not. It will be blessed, and I guarantee you, eventually, he's going to bring somebody alongside of you that's going to just keep pushing you forward. Amen? That's how God designed it to work best. Not saying that's how everybody's story is. I'm just saying from the beginning, in the beginning, man and woman, man initiates, man pursues. Might sound old school, chivalrous, whatever. It's not dead, but it's starting to die in our generation we got a bunch of guy, girls chasing guys that are just a bunch of, I don't even want to say it, only giving them attention or affection if they do X, Y, and Z with them or show them this picture on Insta or whatever. And it's like, come on, I don't see any of that in the Bible. That's so distorted and so jacked up. You do not have to settle for that. Your maker and your creator has somebody in mind. Here's, here's encouragement. If you're out there and you're like, I've given up on the thought that there's somebody for me that's equally compatible to me, Here's the hope and uh, faith that I want to deposit to you. I believe the Lord wants to encourage you with. If God, when Adam needed a helper and there was no helper, was able to take a rib out of man's body and make him a perfect helper and helpmate and companion, then I believe he's strong enough and able to find that perfect, suitable helpmate for you in the right season. Amen? You're going to have to know what you believe and what your confession is and hold fast to that. But don't settle and know that, man, 
when God brings her to you, fellas, you better open your mouth and say something and initiate because that's the strength of men. But our downfall is when we don't initiate and we, we just, we, we get in fear, we get insecure and we don't do what God's called us to do. It, again, it creates, it creates havoc. And so God wants a beautiful husband and wife team. And hopefully you can start to see this beautiful picture that God has painted for us in the very book of the beginning. A man who's dependent on God, his source is God and God alone. A man who has leadership and responsibility isn't sitting at home playing video games for 18 hours and not doing anything with his life, but actually is working. Nothing wrong with video games. I love a good little Mario Kart myself, you know what I'm saying? But like has a job, is working, tending something, showing himself faithful, putting his hand to the plow to do something, amen? And, and then has power and authority is using the right words in his life in those relationships and then takes initiative when God brings what's good into his life. That is how God designed it. This is so basic yet so life-changing when we, when we get in alignment with what, how God designed us. Things just seem to work. So I want to encourage you today. Be encouraged today, not discouraged, but there might be some course corrections or adjustments we maybe need to make in our own lives today. But just remember this, God's original plan for you and I is his eternal plan. And in the garden, it was beautiful and it was in Eden, it was awesome until sin entered. That, God wants it back like it was before sin entered. He wants us to live heaven on earth before we go to be with heaven. That's why he sent his son Jesus to help fix the void and the distance between us and God. And so he's given us power and authority to speak. He's given us leadership and responsibility. He's given us a heart to have personal relationship with him, dependence on him. And he's given us a will to initiate those things. And so today, I don't know where you guys are at, but I know he does. And I know he knows exactly what we need to hear every single week. And so that's what we just pray and trust that something today is landing, it, it's sticking. And it isn't just like, oh, good, that's awesome. I learned a lot of stuff, let's leave. But like, where, where do we need to step it up? Is it dependence? Are we, are we out of priority? Are we trying to be a lump of clay doing it in our own strength? Or are we actually operating each day with the breath of God in our lungs and worshiping him? Are we working faithfully as God has called us to, the gardens that he's placed in our life, protecting them, tending them? Sometimes the garden of our family gets a little overgrown and weed choked because we're working so hard, but we're not paying attention to how our kids or things are going over here. Maybe we need to go back and tend some gardens that, it, that we've let the enemy kind of run in and run rampant in our lives and just fix those, get those secure and safe, put our first ministry first. For some of us, we just need to change the words that are coming out of our mouth or the tone or the body language behind it because words have power and God has given us that authority to speak. Let's create good things in our life. What well, we speak over our marriages in our, in our spouse's presence, but even more importantly, in our spouse's absent are critically important. About our kids in face-to-face, -face, oh my gosh, but even when they're not there, the words that we speak, the prayers that we pray have so much power and potential. And may we not be afraid of the things that God brings in our life that are good, like woman or blessing or job opportunity or a relationship, right? May we initiate those and, and, and correspond with those. And I believe as we align our lives in a greater way to those things, that we can see God's blessing and God's goodness and God's nature flow through our lives. Amen. I believe that's what he's got for us. He wouldn't have included it in here. He's so faithful. He's so good. He shows us how to do it. The hard part is us actually lining up to that. But I believe with God's help and the Holy Spirit's help, we can all align to that in a greater way today, whatever that looks like in our context 
And God can bless us in a powerful way in this next season. Would you guys join me as we pray and just receive God's power and his strength to, to respond to today's word. Father, we love you so much and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for an opportunity to hear the teaching of your word, Lord. To, your word is truth. It leads us and it guides us. Thank you for your original intent because we believe it's your internal intent. And Father, you created us to have relationship with you, to be dependent on you, Father. Forgive us if we've not made you the main thing, if you've been an auxiliary, an add-on, whenever we feel like it. Lord, let us put you back in your proper place as front and center of our hearts, of our families, of our relationships, Father. May we be dependent like we are upon every breath that we breathe because it's coming from you. Father, may we step up and lead and be responsible for the things that you placed us responsible for. May we not shrink back, but may we lean in and step forward, even if it's hard, even if we don't enjoy it 100% of the time. You never asked Adam, are you enjoying this? You just said, tend and keep it. I believe he found true fulfillment in just fulfilling what God's assignment was before him, whether it was hard, whether it was easy. Father God, I ask you to grace the responsibility and the leadership before us and help us lean into that. Father, I thank you for the power and authority that we have to speak your word over our lives, over our community, over our families, Lord God. May the word of God bring life and health and healing and wholeness and breakthrough and blessing and goodness in all of our lives, Father God. May we speak those things and agree with your word. And number four, Father, may we take initiative. May we say something when we need to say something. May we step up and take a stand. We need to take a stand, Father God. And may we engage with the blessings and the gifts that you put into our life, Lord. We love you so much. And we just thank you for your Holy Spirit's help to align us, to respond, whatever that looks like in our our lives and our context, Father. We just respond to you and we thank you, Lord, for showing us the way. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said, amen. So